Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller and we have with us uh, Mr. R.L. and Dennis Burns. Hey, I'm here. And we also have Dr. Roselle and Dr. Matt Foster. So we're going to begin by letting you two introduce yourselves. I know you've been on the program before, but it's always nice to have a little introduction. Hi, um, my name is Russell Parvez. I'm a assistant professor and soil fertility specialist for LSU Ag Center. Um, really working on all the row crops, mainly corn, soybean, cotton. Uh, any kind of fertilizer and nutrient management. Mm-hmm. I'm Matt Foster. I'm the corn, cotton, and grain sorghum specialist uh, here in the, the northeast region, but I also have statewide responsibilities. Yeah. Well, um, we're so glad to have you all on today, and we've got a big discussion today on fertilizer. I guess um, everyone knows and is struggling this year on how much corn we can plant and, or want to plant and kind of I guess the topic for today is what can we get away with when we're talking about all that? So you have the floor. What can we do? We all want to know. All right. Yeah. The fertilizer price is kind of crazy this year and it's going up and up uh, day by day. So uh, the main focus for that soybean, corn, cotton, that's three main nutrients we usually apply. Usually for corn and cotton is the nitrogen is the main component also phosphorus and potassium but all three crops require phosphorus and potassium in most of the Louisiana soil well so phosphorus and potassium recommendation really depends on your soil test results so this year I know lots of producers have a soil test nice soil test report every three years or every two years this is always good to have particularly the year like that because the soil test only can guide you your field whether it needs fertilizer or not there is no other equation to make a decision whether your field requires fertilizer or not so if you have a soil test report or i would rather spend a little bit money on having a soil test report most current if you have a two years old report still it works but if you don't have like more than five years or six years, I would spend a little bit money to have a soil test report and then make a decision. So one conservative method I would use for this particular year. You know our soil test based recommendation is kind of have a two different component. One is the sufficient, the other one is the build, build up and maintenance. So that means the sufficiency amount we put whatever the crop needs. The build and maintenance, we put little extra so we can build our soil test uh, day by day, by year, year to year. So in a level that we reach the sufficiency level and we don't need to fertilize. So this particular year, I would use the conservative approach, only put the fertilizer we need, not building up anything. So in that equation, well, <coughs> LSU Act Center, recommend particularly for the phosphorus anywhere below 35 ppm 
if you convert that to pounds per acre, it would be 70 pounds per acre. You need fertilizer. But there is a critical range from 20 ppm to 35 ppm. You may or may not need fertilizer in this zone. So the conservative approach would be if you have lower than 20 ppm or 40 pounds per acre, then you can decide you, your field needs phosphorus fertilizer for all three crops. If you are if you above 20 ppm or 40 pounds per acre, you may or may not need fertilizer. So that's the conservative method. If the, because the fertilizer price is up, I would not put any fertilizer if my soil test report is above 20 ppm for this particular year. Yes, sir. Question, question. Put it in some simpler dummy terms for me, okay? <laughs> uh, and I understand what you're saying with the parts per million and all that. Most guys, or at least I'm familiar with, when they pull up a soil sample, it's going to say phosphorus. It's either going to say very low, low, optimal, high, very high. Can I safely say that if I'm optimal or better, odds are I would be okay to skip okay. a, PG, uh, a, a phosphorus application? Good question. So, yeah, lots of, it depends on that we have a category of very low, low, medium, high, and very high. This is the LSU Act Center category. But if you send the soil sample to other lab, they may have a different category. Sometimes they have low, very low, then medium they call sufficient, optimum, and very high. So if you go with the category, it may not mess with our recommendation. So that's why I, I would strictly look at the number, my number. If it is 20 or below, put fertilizer. If it is higher than 20 or like 20, do not put fertilizer. That's the decision. The yeah, other component... Phosphorus. 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 Yeah. Phosphorus. We're talking about just phosphorus. Yeah. Just phosphorus. Just phosphorus. phosphorus. Correct. Mm -hmm. I was just using that as an example. So one labs, it may be at 20 parts per million, and it may say optimal, or, the, or another lab may say low, or I mean, oh, just a medium. On the or medium, or the, cat, the categories can vary. It can vary. So I would go with the number. Okay. okay, I got another question. Let's go, okay. Um, okay, I've gone out here and I've got my soil samples, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, well, I haven't gotten my fertilizer out. Can I put my pea out in the spring or can I make a decision? Maybe I'm just now getting soil samples, my P and K or whatever I need. Can it all go out in the spring before planting, at planting, um, two months before? I'm not going to get it out. Today. All right. Good question. This is a good question. But before I answer your question, I want other nutrients that I need to talk about that potassium. So the decision would be <laughs> potassium. The potassium is, uh, the number would be 100 ppm. So the magic number, if you are lower than 100 ppm or 200 pounds per acre, then put the fertilizer up, out. If you are above 100 ppm or 200 pounds per acre, do not do not put this fertilizer for particularly for this year. Coming back to your question, Dennis. Uh, yeah, fall versus spring application. I have two years research, two different location and for two different crop, corn and soybean. Apparently, if you are in a playground, it doesn't matter whether you put fertilizer in fall 
or spin, it does not matter. Coming back to the sandy ground, or if you have a silt loam but have a little more clay, like silt loam has a wide range, it can come from any kind of sandy to close to the clay, right? It's a wide range of soil. But you, you know your soil better, whether it is sandy, close to the sandy, but it still is a silt loam category, or it is close to the clay, it still is a silt loam category. If it is close to the clay, that's again, you can put the fertilizer anytime, it doesn't matter. Sandy ground, I would put, prefer to put fertilizer in a spin because of the loss mechanism. Especially both nutrient, potassium can be lost more than phosphorus because potassium list down moves little faster than phosphorus. Well, the problem is on the spring application, you already make your bed in fall. When you put the spring application, usually produce a broadcasting. Well, if you, if you grow your corn or soybean or cotton, 38 inch row spacing, where are you gonna put your fertilizer all over the place? The problem for the spring application, you don't reheat the bed before you plant. So if you leave it as it is, the fertilizer, whatever in the farrow is gonna be lost. Doesn't, doesn't matter what crop you are growing. Because for plant root, takes that middle portion of the fertilizer, it takes longer time, probably before maturity or before when it's fully grown. And by this time, that two, three months, if you have a rainfall, you're gonna lose like lots of fertilizer, whatever in the middle. So I don't know what, what to do for this. If you can reheap, then plant, it would be the best idea. But yeah, I understand spring is, is hard, hard to make it. So one suggestion I made, especially for corn, when your corn is, you wait to fertilizer, when your corn is knee height, you can broadcast it and then make a shallow reheaping. Just pull the fertilizer close to the root. Still you will be good then, better than spreading out all over the ground. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. What, if so, you're on a, what if you got a wide bed? Because you you know you don't have you have a a middle every other you know every five feet or every seventy six inches. So you're you know in that wide bed you've got a flat bed on top, mm -hmm. and your fertilizer is sitting on top of it. It's fine. If the fertilizer sits on top of the bed, it's fine it's because good. fertilizer is going to eventually move down with the rainfall. But my point is, if it is far away from the root. The root not gonna get it, mm -hmm. or it's gonna. It takes times to get it. By this time, you're gonna lose some fertilizer with a with a runoff, um, with a leasing. Um, it can be erosion if the soil is so sandy. <coughs> so that that's my point is. But if you just sit on the top of the bed, it's fine. Plant will get it. Okay. All right. Uh, so I cover. Phosphorus and potassium. So um, the big uh, one now. Big one is the nitrogen. Yeah, nitrogen, especially yeah. The corn and cotton. Yeah, yeah, corn and cotton, nitrogen. Well, we learned lots of things uh, last year with our heavy rainfall. Uh, I have seen with my own eyes some fields was doing very fine with the first 200 unit of nitrogen in one single shot, but with a almost 10 inch rain in a week or 10 days, 
that field was completely flooded for two, three days, then I have seen it's completely turned into yellow, like green plant turned into yellow. So lots of things happened last year um, with the nitrogen. So this year, also the nitrogen price is up too. So what I would do, lots of producers, especially for the corn, use starter fertilizer. I'm not saying it's a bad. So what I'm saying, the starter fertilizer, they put 10.34.0 or 11.37.0. That's the fertilizer they use. And they use typically five gallon rate, right? Mm -hmm. So the five gallon, what's, what's, we need to understand what my five gallon is giving us. Well, if you put 10.34.0, the five gallon is gives us 5.8 pound nitrogen. Let's say it's a six pound nitrogen. But it's going to give you almost 17 to 18 pound phosphorus. Now make a decision, the five pound nitrogen is enough for you. Or 17 pound phosphorus is required. If your field is not deficient in phosphorus, you don't need phosphorus. Or if you apply phosphorus already in fall, you do not need phosphorus. Well, sometimes it happened when we plant corn really early in the season, like almost at the end of February or early March, when the soil temperature is really below 50s or sometimes 55, what happened, the soil microbial process is not active at that time. So plant doesn't uptake, the small tiny plant doesn't uptake that much nutrient that is required. So sometimes we do see some phosphorus deficiency, even the, the soil is sufficient in phosphorus. But it can go away when the plants grow up. So, and we did not see any yield response when the phosphorus level is high or sufficient and we put a starter fertilizer, we did not see any yield response. That's my experience I'm talking to you based on last two years. So, why do we need a starter then? Nitrogen? No, nitrogen you are feeding only five pounds. That's not enough. So, the approach I would take, let's talk about we, the recommendation you use one pound nitrogen every bushel of corn yield for silt loam soil. 1.25 pound nitrogen for every bushel of corn yield for clay soil, right? So, if you grow 200 bushels corn, you need 200 units of nitrogen for your silt loam soil. What I would do, I would use like a starter fertilizer, but 32 or 30 00, 28, but sulfur, you can use the sulfur on the, your side dress. The side dress. Okay. Side dress. So yeah. I would, the 32 00 would be the ideal fertilizer. If you use 10 pounds of 32 00, you would get 30 units of nitrogen. That's going to give you 30 units of nitrogen. You can subtract that 30 unit from your 200 unit. So you need only 170 units for side dress. But also it's going to give you wide window. Like if you put air planting, you don't necessarily have to um, banding like two by two. You can spread that devil on the top of the bed. It still is going to be okay. But you have wide window to put your side dress. You don't need to put the side dress immediately after corn is up. You can wait until the corn gets knee height or it doesn't touch your um, rig anymore. So you can wait. So you have wide window also. It's going gonna, it's gonna to spread your rigs. Even if you have a rainfall between planting to your side dress, 
still your nitrogen is there a little bit nitrogen that's health and also remember before the corn gets v6 v8 stage corn doesn't require that much nitrogen only 20 units of nitrogen corn requires so you are putting 30 units that's more than enough to get the corn to v8 stage then corn needs lots of nitrogen and then that's the time for your side dish application think about this way if you put the nitrogen out when the corn is just up you are putting the nitrogen six is apart from your row there is no root system and that nitrogen sitting there for a month with the, before the plant takes up because there is no root system where the nitrogen would go it's going to be lost if there is a rain or something happen if there is a water lock condition well you can argue with me my field i can get one shot get 200 plus bushel yield yes i would agree with you if your soil is a really well drained doesn't go water log even with high rainfall yes you can have one single shot get that desired yield but is that's why is really the nitrogen management varies from your field to field i cannot recommend you have to do that so my point is if you have a sandy ground or if you have a poorly drained soil even it is loam soil or clay soil you better to split the nitrogen this the, uh, this is a question because <clears throat> there is um, there's something going on now with the crop insurance and splitting nitrogen so does and starter will it count as a split application it started for the nitrogen medicine no because you are putting only six <coughs> Five, no, 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 it. but if you put something... Oh, okay, 30 units, 30 to 35 units, yeah. Is that enough to count as a split application? Yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the You're split saying application. putting the 30 units out <coughs> in the place of a starter. That yeah, would be or, yeah. yeah. Just putting 30 units, you're putting 30 units in nitrogen. Is that enough to make a split out? Because you're saying it only takes 25 units to get to V8. So, and really about V5 is about the last time you can run a side dress rig. V6, kind of, like one feet. Well, I'm talking about to run a side dress rig. Oh, okay. Because side dress rig's not that tall. Yeah. yeah. But so. V6 plant would be not more than a feet. So your rig can cover a feet easily. Even it touches the leaf, it doesn't hurt the crop. No, no, well, it's got yeah. to, you don't want to break it off. Mm. Okay. But anyway, all right, well, at some point like there. So does that count as a split or? So the research showed that even 30 to 35 units would be sufficient enough. So if you put 10 gallon or 20, 15 gallon, that's give you. Well, let's, let's go with it's 10. Still, it's still a, it's still but a, you're talking in terms, Dennis, to meet the requirements for, for this crop new insurance. rule. Yes. The new crop insurance rule has nothing actually to do with production. No. It's but strictly it, to meet the guidelines, the guidelines of, of insurance. It, it is a split application. Because that, that was my question. I would understand that if you put 1034-0 or something in furrow, you're only putting five gallons. That's not really a split. Mm -hmm. That's a starter. Yeah, but if right. you put 10 gallons or 30 units behind the planter and then come back and use your other, because you only need 25 units to get to V6, mm -hmm. let's just say to get to V6, then that gets you, that is a split. Yeah, because yeah. more than likely to get 30 units out at planting, you're going to have to run a separate rig anyway. You're not, a, you're not hardly going to get enough out 
Well, with, the, with the corn, with the planter tractor itself. Well, if you put 10 gallons. If you put 10 gallons, I think that... Put that out and get you to 30 units? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, 10 gallons. 32%. 32%. 32%. You have to use 32% or 30%. Yeah. But you got, you know, that rig that come off the, it's bolted on the back on the press wheels. Mm -hmm. Got the little tube. Yeah. Splatters it all <laughs> down beside it. That gets you, you know, because you can put it on top of the ground. Right, yeah. right. I mean, I'm just trying to. Yeah, we now have a definition of a split application. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call. Will the insurance company buy it? I was about to say it's not up so, to us. It's not up to us. Well, the split application. So okay, we have two way or three way split application for corn, right? So what we measure? If it is two way, we put we count as a a two different way we count at planting and side dress. That's the two way or side dress versus split tussle. That's also two way. Three-way would be planting, side dress, and pre-tussle. That's the three-way split. So two-way split, planting, and side dress is a two-way split. So it is a split application. How many splits do you generally recommend, brother? I mean, at least two? At least two at least for corn. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you... Then the other point is for the nitrogen management. Uh, I don't know what the price would be uh, down the road um, when the ah. crop is up. Ah. <laughs> But still, some producers always be, like to be top of the fertilizer management. So for, their, for, for them, my suggestion is if you do the two-way split, it's still kind of after you have a side dress and you things like you have lots of rain, got water saturation condition, few days in your field or part of your field, and like to check your nitrogen status, whether you need any additional nitrogen, the big part is to take a tissue sample anywhere from B10 stage or B2 before tasseling. If you take early, well, there is no interpretation. If you take later, like R1, R2, even that interpretation we can do, but that's not going to help any further. Yeah, it's too late. So anywhere from B10 to tasseling stage, if you take a tissue sample, we can look at your results. If it is the nitrogen for the nitrogen analysis we are talking about here, and if it is any the magic number is three percent, if it is above three percent or at three percent, you are good. If it is below three percent, we can make a decision. What if we What if we had a nitrogen reference strip? Or it's another good thing to establish nitrogen reference strip, uh, so you can have this reference strip one side of your field with just 2x two, two rate, side dress rate, and you can come up with a kind of green seeker or measuring any kind of NDVI, uh, whatever the tool you are using, there are lots of sensors out there right now, then you can compare with that. We have a algorithm developed by LSU Accenter, and uh, we can suggest your mm -hmm. um, nitrogen rate. Well, that's one thing that we've been talking, three of us have been talking about, uh, and we're going to put some out in wheat as demos, just nitrogen reference strip, just so you can ga help give you gauge it that uh, my, this is not the nitrogen strip is greener than the other. So you know, and what you're talking about with losing it after a big rain, if it turns yellow, then you know. So. What if the nitrogen strip is you can't distinguish it from the rest of the field? Well. It's just, the rest of the field is just as green. Well, you don't need anything then. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it, if nothing else, you ride down the road and say, oh, look at that. Yeah. 
So, but it's an easy tool mm -hmm. to use. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, we have both tool reference script versus tissue sampling, whatever people. I've got a, another question. Article I was reading, and I've got, so I think it was some uh, corn specialist up in the Midwest had written the other day in reference to the price of corn that's up, mm -hmm. the price of nitrogen up, okay? He wasn't advocating this, but he just said, you can look at this. How much nitrogen can I cut off using the one pound per bushel and lower my yield, knowing I'm going to lower my yield with the price of corn and still make as much money as I've been making? Great question. <laughs> really appreciate it. Great question. Now, I'm sharing my experience okay. from the research. I have data. I just analyzed the data last week. Um, talking to um, Soybean and Grain Board meeting. You wouldn't believe that. So nitrogen basically, that recommendation is one pound per bushel of corn yield. This is a safe recommendation. This is more um, conservative recommendation, not conservative, what I said, liberal recommendation, right? Probably it requires 0.8 unit to make one bushel, but we consider a little bit over because there is a loss mechanism. So if you can minimize your loss, so the way you manage your nitrogen, like splitting would be one of the key components to minimize the loss, then you can reduce your nitrogen rate, you still get the same yield. So the example I'm giving you, we split different way. Last year I have a research in Macon Reese, different way splitting. One way splitting, put some at the planting, then pre-tarsal, no side dress application. Put some at planting, then side dress application. So what I'm telling you, the splitting we did with 170 units, 160 I would say, is still getting 200 bushels yield. 160 to 70, exactly I can't remember what's the rate. So that way you are lowering almost 30 to 40 units of nitrogen. So the point I'm trying to make, if you manage your nitrogen well, still you can reduce, you will cut almost 20% nitrogen from your nitrogen budget. Okay. Now, well, I gotta ask Matt a question. <laughs> okay, Matt, you're Raise your hand, raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see you. We're getting more polite as we go along with this. We're not going to just butt in. Well, we got all this new stuff. I don't yeah, know. we got to get a few manners here. Okay, Matt. Okay, we're talking about here now. We, based on our conversation, I've had a lot of growers tell me, said, look, on my corn for this coming year, I'm going to cut back on corn. I'm going to keep my corn on my really strong ground. And where they know they, they're pretty well, it's irrigated. You know, strong ground and pretty well got a good idea of what it's going to yield. Of what it's going to yield. Previous years and, and, and history of it. Yeah, and in this, in our conversation here, can we not cut back so? I mean, because that's going to throw everybody's rotation off. And I'm saying that because I know of some growers, this is going on three years of soybeans because price. You know, they're having they're on and and if they drop corn. Well, they're going to pick up some cotton acres, mm -hmm. but they're also, some of that's going to go to soybeans, which is, you know, all of a sudden now we're two years of soybeans, which creates its own issues. So with this, can, 
what we've talked about today. Can we look at maybe not totally abandoning corn? Can we look at some of this not quite as strong ground, but what do you call it? Mediocre Medi- ground. Yeah. Medium ground. Yeah. And I, still make I, a profit. I would say so. I would but, say so. And using the tools, that the splitting of it. The splitting of it, managing. I, I think you would have to manage your you know inputs a, a little bit you know more precisely on that mediocre ground than, than say your ice cream ground. Uh, now, okay. I don't think we need to jump ship completely on that's, the corn. Well, that was... Uh, do we need to, when you say managing it, and, and we're not talking about our high yield stuff, do we need to look at a, maybe a lower a lower seeding rate? Or just match the seeding rate to yield potential? Yeah, that, that's a good good point. I mean, Matt, yeah, you match your seed, because seed isn't cheap. Uh, yeah. You can't cut costs on seed, but, you know, I would, I would try to match it to that yield potential of that ground, you know, if you maybe want to cut back a little bit. That, so, that is an option. Yeah, so like... With what RL was saying, that match your yield goal, you have to wait your turn. <laughs> match match your yield goal. For y'all <laughs> match your yield goal to your profit in the field to make a profit. I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Well, uh, the reason I don't. Hand. No, I, uh, <laughs> it's because the math said what he said. Uh, I agree with him because the omission trial. You remember, I had two omission trial. That we put lots of input and cut down input one at a time and see which input has more impact, right? So we have a two different seeding rate for corn. One is um, thirty thousand, uh, thirty-eight thousand. So what we have seen, then we have two different nitrogen rate. One is the normal nitrogen rate, and we have a uh, higher nitrogen rate, probably twenty unit, twenty uh, percent higher nitrogen rate. What is seen when you have a higher population, you need high nitrogen rate to get the top yield but when you have a low population you really don't need a high nitrogen rate so my point is what Matt said if you cut down your seeding rate you cut down your little bit fertilizer especially nitrogen that I was talking about 20 percent that's that's what I was trying to make I think it goes back to Dennis what we've we've heard we've repeated for years you know the field you know its yield potential yeah. Your average, not that one exceptional year, but the average, if if over 10 years, five years, that particular field is only going to yield 180 bushels, right. average. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to invest With all that money in managing it. Managing it as a 250-acre field like you're doing the rest of it. Yeah. You know it's only going to cut 180, right. average. Now, you're going to have that one exceptional year, it's going to cut 200. Well, that was that was 2021. So we're we're going we pushed it. You know, we yeah. won, we rung the bell this year. So we're going to manage push that it down for its average yield potential, and yeah. you can still make money. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, we're good. Um, well, I guess we can close it here. But we thank you so much for joining us today, both of y'all. Any last? Any? I see you raising yeah. your hand. I- Ammonia sulfate on soybeans, and I hate to bring this up, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a soybean specialist or anything, but well, you get questions about that, Rosario? Good question. Last year I had several questions, even producer asked me whether they need to put um, ammonium sulfate. And I'm not going to. Okay, um, good point. I just showed my cotton data with the sulfur. And corn soybean, so I have a trial for corn soybean cotton with the sulfur. Different 
type of fertilizer, dry versus liquid, the ammonium sulfate is there and also the rate. Anyway, the sulfur, we have a recommendation for sulfur. Any, if it is lower than 10 ppm, then we put sulfur, 20 unit of sulfur, that we recommend. But this recommendation, well, do I, am I 100% confident to recommend that sulfur? You have to need it. Really, I don't have a confidence because this data I'm just telling you, we have a 6 ppm sulfur for corn and soybean. I put sulfur, did not see any response. Whether I have a 14 ppm sulfur for cotton and I did see a response. So what you gain from this? The sulfur is mobile like a nitrogen, right? It can go down like a leaching. It can come up with evaporation. So if you have a sulfur down the profile, it may sufficient because we only take sulfur from top six inches. Your top six inches may be deficient. I'm just guessing because I don't have a research background to taking a deeper soil sample, evaluate the sulfur concentration and how it's correlated to the yield. Probably we need to look at down the road. But that's my guess, educated guess. So sulfur, we are not 100% confident about the sulfur level and we have to put sulfur. But sulfur is required for all three crops. That's I can tell for sure. Mm -hmm. Come down to your question that ammonium sulfate to soybean. Well, I have researched that too last year based on the producer question. And what I have seen, if you have a sulfur, like 20 unit, they usually put 100 unit of ammonium sulfate, gives you 24 unit of sulfur, right? Some producer put a half unit, like a 50 unit of ammonium sulfate gets only 12 unit. But there is a 21% nitrogen, you remember that. And that nitrogen last year we have seen, even in the field day I showed, it hurts the nozulation. I got the yield. Yield was not different, that is because there was no sulfur response. So, even if it hurts the yield, even if close to the control yield, it did not raise the yield. But it's still, one of the other plot I have not looked at my data, where I solely put urea and ammonium sulfate to get whether the nitrogen is hurting soybean yield. I don't have um, yield results analyzed yet. Okay. So, okay. Uh, but ammonium sulfate, if you concentrate it, and there is a nitrogen, also you have a nitrogen, uh, like a residual nitrogen in mm -hmm. your ground, especially for the like upper silt plume soil to the clay soil, there is lots of residual nitrogen, you may end up hurting your crop. So sulfur may or may not need for your crop, mm -hmm. especially when the price is up, I'm not gonna concentrate <laughs> buying additional sulfur and raise my input cost for this year. Okay, all right, that's good to know. All right, y'all. Well, we've been on here for 35 minutes, so I guess it's time to call it. All right. Thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah. Thank y'all so much. We'd yeah. love to have you on yeah. again. Thank yeah. you. Bye. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.